If you guys have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Mark, the Gospel of Mark, uh, chapter 4, um, and we'll just jump into it. Um, there's only a few parables here in chapter 4 that Mark records for us, uh, but in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew gives us eight of them, so very interesting, and all of them deal, by the way, uh, with the kingdom of heaven, and uh, by the way, this word parable means it's mentioned 50 times in the New Testament, and it's a compound word. So um, para, meaning alongside, and a bull, bole, whatever you want to pronounce it, to cast down or lay down is what it, st- it means. So it speaks of laying down one truth alongside another truth. And Jesus speaks of a heavenly truth using earthly examples. And so, so uh, in fact, look, look down at verse 4 with me. Uh, go down to verse, uh, I'm sorry, you know what, jump down to verse 11. It says, And he said to them, To you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but to those who are outside, all things come in parables. Uh, notice then in verse 26, uh, it's, he's speaking about the kingdom of God. And then you go down to verse 30. It says, Then he said, To what shall we liken the kingdom of God? Or, what, uh, or with what par- uh, parable shall we picture it? So clearly, Jesus is teaching in parables, right? So it's pretty obvious. I don't think, you know, uh, it already tells us in the title, so that's fine. Um, so let's look at this first parable in Chapter 4, it's going to be in verses 1 all the way to verse 20, and I call this the parable of different soils, and as we go through it, you'll understand why I call it that, but let's start, um, let's look at the giving of the parable. Notice in verse 1 through 9, notice where this parable was given. Notice in verse 1, it says, and again he began to teach by the sea, And a great multitude was gathered to him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. So it was by the sea. So many people, you know, they they wanted to hear him. And so they gathered together. And and, uh, I don't know if you guys have been in big crowds before, but it's like, you're, you know, you're like, oh, that guy stinks, you know. <laughs> you get, I, I grew up going to a lot of Christian concerts, and and uh, so I'm right there in the very front, but uh, everybody wants to get so close to the stage, you know, and you're like, why are you pushing? So I can imagine everybody's just wanting to see Jesus. They want to touch him. And so he's, you know, so he gets on into a boat here, right, and he's on the sea. And, and who is this parable given to, by the way? Notice in verse 2, It says, then he taught them many things by parables. So notice them, then he taught them, and said to them in his teaching. So it was them, according to verse 1, which was a great multitude, right, of of people. And I think it was to non-believers. According to verse 11, it was to those outside of the kingdom, which is speaking of well, non-believers. And so, um, what, what was given here? Let's look at what, what's given. Let, notice in verse 3 to 9, um, here we see the parable of the soils. And, and I, plural, right? So there's four soils. Let's go ahead and look at them. The first soil is the soil by the wayside. And that's going to be in verses 3 and verse 4. Uh, it says in verse 3, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. And so uh, when you scatter seed on the path that you walk on, um, you know, it, it'll be, that's the wayside basically, right? You, you throw it on the path, it's hard, right? Because you're walking on there, it's a hard path. And of course the birds see it. And they're going to fly by and they're going to pick up the seeds. Easy food right there, right? And, and so that's the wayside. The second soil is the stony soil. Notice in verse 5, it says, Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth. And immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. And in verse 6, But when the sun was up, it was scorched. 
And because they had no root, it withered away. So when you know, planting seeds on stony soil, uh, what happens is what? You put the seed in there and you just cover it up, what, another, like an inch or two? And, and then, uh, but if it's stony, you, you pour the water or when the rain comes, what happens? It has nowhere to sink down. And so it just stays right there. And what does it do? It lifts up the, the, the seed to the top and then it gets burnt by the sun and then it's just dead. And, and so that's what's happening here and what he's talking about. Um, notice the third soil, by the way, the, the thorny soil. Notice in verse 7, it says, And some seed fell among thorns, and th- the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. Um, I've tried to uh, do my own garden. When I was a teenager, I remember my first attempt, and I spent... It was a couple hundred dollars. I was all in, right? I had this little plot of ground in my backyard, and I was doing it for my mom. But it was all weeds back there, and I remember tilling the ground and getting all that stuff out. You know, it took me forever. But I finally got it, and then I planted, you know, the seeds. But I I didn't know, that was my learning lesson, that the weeds had seeds still in the ground. And so what happened, obviously, it grew up together, and it started choking it, and the weeds were stealing all the water from my plants. And and, and so that's what he's talking about here, is, um, you know, so, so here are the good seeds grows with the thorns, and then the thorns come up and they choke it out, basically, and, and they kill it. And uh, so that brings us to the fourth soil here. The fourth soil is the good soil. Notice in verse 8, it says, But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increasing or increased and produced some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100-fold. Wow. It was good since there was, there was no rocks, there was no weeds, there was no thorns to you know, wrap around it and start choking it. Um, and it had plenty of water in it because it had good soil, right? The water went straight down, had good drainage. Um, and, and because of that, a great crop uh, produced out of it, and, and it produced even up to 100-fold those of you who are into investments, I mean, talk about an investment, right? That's, that's pretty good, 100% right there, return on your investment. So this soil was fruitful indeed, right? And, and notice in verse 9, it says, And he said to them, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So the disciples, they, they couldn't fully understand what he was talking about here but later we'll, we'll find out right now uh, he's going to explain what these are and and so let's look at the reason for the parable what what's the whole purpose of why what's the reason lord you know why why would you even tell us these things uh notice in verses 10 to 12 he's going to give us the reason so the, the verse 10 here's the question to jesus right he says but when he was alone those around him with the twelve asked him about the parable. So those following him, even his disciples, they ask him to interpret for them. And they, they also ask another question in Matthew, by the way. There's two accounts of this. Matthew chapter 13, uh, in verse 10, it says, And the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? I mean, come on. They didn't understand why Jesus was not speaking to the multitudes the same way he was speaking to them. He's speaking plain English, right? And so it's like, why don't you just speak plain English? And he's like, I speak Hebrew, you know? It's not really. I didn't say that. But, um, but, but you guys get what I'm saying, right? Why don't you just say it simply? Just say it right out. And, and uh, so let's see what Jesus says. Here's the answer from Jesus in verse 11 and 12. It says in verse 11, and he said to them, to you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but to those who are outside, all things come in parables. And so that seeing that they, they may be, uh, see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. So Jesus gives us two reasons why he spoke in parables, right? The first is to reveal truth. Notice verse 11 again. Uh, it, it's to know, uh, to you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but to those who are outside, all things come in parables. And, and so mystery, by the way, 
um, is speaking of something that has been hidden but has now been revealed. And something that was hidden but is now revealed is speaking of the kingdom of God in the context here. Remember, all the parables are talking about the kingdom of God, right? So kingdom, and and by the way, kingdom of God, it it just simply means um, rule or reign, right? So it speaks of bringing to light the truth which was formerly hidden regarding the rule and the reign of God. And so speaking about Jesus being revealed to the Gentiles, Jesus is revealing himself. And Jesus said in John 14, verse 6, he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, right? No one comes to me but by uh, to the Father except through me. So the only way we can get to the kingdom of kingdom of God is through Jesus Christ, right? You guys remember when Jesus was praying in the garden uh, in John 17, 17, he says, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth, he says. So understand there's nothing in us deserving of eternal life. Nothing. I've, I've met with people that have everything deserving of eternal life. Have you guys seen those people? They're, they're everywhere. Um, but we ask him, why are you going to heaven? Well, look at me, right? Like, Whoa, right? Or it's like, oh, my dad's a pastor, or my, uh, I go to church every day, or I read my Bible every day, or I do this, I do, 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 whatever it may be. It's all doo-doo to me, right? <laughs> it's, it's only through Jesus Christ that we can enter into the kingdom of heaven. It's not through us and in, in us of anything that is of us, right, that we can produce anything that is good because we know any, everything in us is what? It's bad. So if, there's, if it's bad within us, only bad could come out of us. It has to be Christ in us right? Um, and, and thus Christ can produce through us. And so, um, so only by the blood of Jesus Christ, right, on the cross can anything be anything. So my sins, they've been forgiven. My sins have been forgotten. And now it's, you know, his righteousness imputed to my account. And wow, that should, you know, that should break us every time we even consider that. You know, who are we? You know, that God would do that. Right? So, and I, I thank the Lord for that. So, the second reason for the parables is to conceal truth as well. Did you guys catch that in verse 12? Um, seeing that they may see and not perceive. Wait a minute, why shouldn't they perceive, right? And, and, and hearing they may hear and not understand. Well, why shouldn't they understand? Lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. So Jesus is quoting from Isaiah chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. And Isaiah, he was a man who was sent out to a, a rebellious people, the children of Israel. God said, who, who shall I send? And, and I love Isaiah's heart, right? I'll go. <laughs> send me. And, and he's going to get sent out to go and speak to people who are going to reject him, not just him, but they're going to reject the Lord. And wow, what, what a, a mission that is. But that's why God is concealing his truth. In Ezekiel, I was just reading this a few days ago, in, in chapter 14, verse 3, uh, God says, Son of man, speaking to Ezekiel, these men have set up their idols in their hearts and put before them that which causes them to stumble into iniquity. Should I let myself be inquired of all by them? So he's speaking to the elders of Israel who are caught up in idolatry. And he says, should I even open up to them? Should I reveal my truth to them? No, they're caught up. They have an idol before me, right? They place their idols above me in their hearts. And, you know, outwardly, I'm 100% to them in front of other people, but inwardly, they have all these the idols before them within their hearts. Um, and, but to those who really want to know him, they want to have a relationship with Christ. Speaking of most of you in here, you want to draw close to the Lord and his word. Uh, Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, uh, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me. And when you search for me with all your heart, and he goes on from there. So God wants to reveal to his 
children, to his servants, right? To you and me. He is open and he wants to reveal everything, the hidden treasures of God. Imagine that, the things that are hidden from everybody else, God wants to reveal to you and I. So that's, that's, that's amazing. Uh, but this multitude of non-believers, could, they couldn't understand the things of the Spirit. And that doesn't shock me at all, because in 1 Corinthians 2.14, Paul said, he said, But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can we know them, because they are spiritually discerned. So if you come to church and you just don't understand anything, right? Nothing's popping out to you. Nothing's coming alive. You're not leaving super excited and pumped up, right? And, or ministered to or, or it's not edifying. And, and everything, when you're reading the Bible, maybe you've been reading it faithfully for a couple of years. And you still are like, I don't know why I'm reading this thing because I just don't understand it. Maybe you're not born again. Maybe you don't know Christ. And I would, I would examine my own heart. The Bible even challenges us, right? Examine your salvation with fear and trembling. There's nothing wrong about that. It's okay to look back and make sure that you know that you know that Jesus is the Son of God, right? That he did die on the cross for your sins, that he did rise again the third day, right? And, and uh, continue to look into your salvation because he who dwells in you will explain to you his word, right? He's going to explain his word to you, and it's going to be open, it's going to be revealed. And for me personally, in my own Christian walk with the Lord, the, 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 the main things that I've learned in my Christian walk with the Lord, they haven't come from the pulpit. They've came from my personal time, just sitting out with some coffee, of course, right? (laughs) Early in the morning, just getting in the Word and talking to the Lord, right? And just asking questions, and boom, there it is. And it just, it hits hard, right? When you're spending that personal quality time with the Lord. And and so I encourage all of us to continue that if if we're doing it. Um, Let's look at the interpretation of the parable here. The interpretation of the parable in verses 13 to 20, um, and, and the, here it's talking about the sower in verse 13. Look at verse 13. It says, And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? So speaking of the person who scatters the seed, who we can say is the preacher, uh, who gives the gospel, the sower gives the truth concerning the kingdom of God, right? The gospel. So we don't get to the kingdom of God by, you know, uh, you know, who we know or what we have or how much we have. We don't get to the kingdom of God by, it's not like, you know, you go to a, uh, it's like saying you're going to a burger place, you, 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 you become a burger, right? That's not the case. Or you go to a donut shop and you, you get a, what? Uh, does it make you a, not a cop, a donut, right? So, <laughs> so going, going to these places doesn't make you what it, it's, it is, right? Going to church doesn't make you a Christian, Right? So it's the same thing. Understand we're all called to present the gospel, by the way. Don't just think, oh, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give people an invitation to go to church. And just because you gave them an invitation to church doesn't mean you gave them the gospel at all. That's not the gospel. Jesus didn't say in Matthew 28, go therefore and invite everybody to church. That's the gospel. No, right? 1 Corinthians uh, 15, uh, Romans 10, you, you just go over and over throughout scripture and you understand it's, it's all about Jesus, right? And it's okay. All of us are called to present the gospel. Um, it's not one man's job. And, and so just keep that in mind. Um, let's look at the seed here. So there's the sower in verse 13. Here's the seed in verse 14. It says that the sower sows the word. And so the seed is the word of God, right? The gospel. In First Peter chapter 1, verse 23, it says, Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. So, and, uh, and we all know Hebrews 4, verse 12, right? For the word of God is living, it's powerful, 
I think we neglect that. We forget that the word of God is powerful. Sometimes we think that we got to be something and do something when just let the word be what it is, right? Get out of the way. And, and so it's, it's powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So the Holy Spirit will lead you into all truth to understand his truth, right? And by your free will, you can allow him in your life and he'll indwell within you, right? The Holy Spirit. And and the Bible is very, very, um, there's all kinds of scriptures about knowing that when you invited Christ into your life, when you uh, received him in a sense, right? When you believed on him, when you invited him into your life, that very moment, the Holy Spirit came within your life. The Bible says in Romans eight eleven, it says, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Notice it's in you. Acts chapter 5 verse 32, it says, and we are his witnesses to these things, and so also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 16, it says, do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you, right? First uh, Corinthians chapter six, verse nineteen. It says, "Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit?" Oh, did I read that? Yep. No. Nope. Who is in you? Um, whom you have from God, and that, and you are not a, your own. So basically, the same thing there. But it's Christ Jesus in us, right? It's the Holy Spirit in our lives. Uh, let's come to the next soil, the 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 soil, right? In verses fifteen to twenty. Um, we went over these four types of soil, which, by the way, also represents uh, four different types of hearts, by the way, um, and ultimately four different responses to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so the, the first soil, number one, would be the wayside soil, right? Look, look at verse 15. It says, and these things are... Um, And these things are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. So this is speaking, uh, this soil is speaking of the hard heart, right? Those who reject the gospel of Jesus Christ. Satan comes in. You know, they, they hear the word, but Satan comes in and he steals it. He's nothing but a, a thief, right? He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And so in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, we know that he, it says, in whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe. That's why they've been blinded, because they choose not to believe. Thus the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2, it says, In which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Very interesting. Those who are sons of disobedience, their father is the father of all lies, right? Satan himself. And so Satan steals from those whose hearts are hardened against the Lord, very similar to like Pharaoh, right? Pharaoh uh, hardened in his heart before the Lord, but the Lord also hardened his heart as well. Very interesting study there. Um, but this person who has this type of heart it's a dangerous place to be in, a very, very dangerous place because your their eternal life, um, I don't even want to say life, right? Because there's not even life. Their, their eternal destination, if you will, is at stake and, and where they're going to spend it because only with Christ is eternal, true, abundant life, right? God gives us life and that more abundantly, John 10, 10. So um, let's look at the second soil here. It's the stony heart. The stony heart uh, in verses 16, it says, these likewise are the ones sown on stony ground, who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. And they have no root in themselves, and so endure only for a time. And afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, 
immediately they stumble. So this is what I would call the, the shallow heart, right? The people's hearts who are just shallow. They, you know, they hear the word of God, they, they get all excited, and they receive the word of God. They, they love Christianity, they love everything about uh, hearing the gospel, and, and, but, but they don't have any depth in their relationship with Jesus Christ. It's just uh, superficial, you know, and so when persecutions come, or trials come, uh, dealing with the word because they're a, a believer, what happens? Because it's so superficial to them, they easily just turn away, and they, they, they immediately just, they take off. I can't take this. They're gone. And that's why, you know, sometimes we see people at church. They're all excited. And where did they go? What happened? And there's no depth. There was no uh, heart before. It's, it's, it's a personal relationship with Jesus Christ is what I'm trying to say. A lot of people, they get caught up in uh, church, right, what we call church, and, and they get caught up in the activities and, and even teaching, right? They could be in the children's ministry. They could be anywhere. And, and uh, but they don't take Christ home with them, right? It, it's not a personal issue, right? And, and really, it should be. It needs to be a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. He's not looking for, wow, you are the most religious person of all the people. Well done, good and faithful servant. Let's go, right? No, it's nothing like that. It's about, well done, you allowed me to do work in your life. And 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 thus, it was goodness coming out of you because you allowed the Holy Spirit in you to, to dwell in you and to, to produce fruit through you because you abided in Christ Jesus, right? So thus, you're a faithful servant because he who begun a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the end. Amen? And, and so if Christ is in you, he's going to complete. He'll do the work. But he, you got, you, so he'll do everything on his part. But you have a part as well. And your part is, is surrender. Your part is just worship. Your part is just hanging out with him. Right? You could read John chapter 15 and, and you get the idea. You just abide in Christ. You just hang out. He'll produce the fruit through you. Right? It's not like a tree like, oh, I gotta produce fruit. Boop. <laughs> Nothing like that. It, you just hang out with Jesus and let him do a mighty work through you. And he will. Um, so the soil, number three, is the thorny soil, right? The thorny soil. Look at verse 18. Um, it says, now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word. It says in verse 19, and the, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the de desires for other things enter, entering in uh, entering in chokes the word and it becomes unfruitful. This is what I would call the worldly heart, right? Um, by the way, turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. It's unfruitful because of anxiety um, and, and, uh, and worries and cares of this world. They're unwilling to let go. Right? They, they think about the world and, and the cares of the world and, oh, I got this and I got that and, oh, what am I going to wear? What am I going to do? Ah, and there's, there's a control issue that they're unwilling to let go of. And in Matthew chapter 6, go to verse 25. Um, it says, Jesus says, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? And so why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Verse 29, and yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. 
For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about its own, its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And wow, I could just keep going. This is great. Um, I think Jesus hit it right on the nail right there, right? Don't worry. He's got you. He's our heavenly father. He's the good shepherd, right? He knows exactly what we need and he'll provide it. If you don't have it, you probably don't need it. It's okay. <laughs> Let him provide everything that you need and he will. But be concerned um, you know, and faithful with the things that you have. I'm not trying to say, you know, just let go and who cares? Don't worry about it. You know, I'm not trying to say anything like that. Yes, be faithful, right? Be a good steward of what God's given you. Um, and, and, but just don't, don't worry about it, right? And, and don't deceive yourself into thinking, you know, if I only had millions of dollars, then my life would be good, right? It would be great. And, and, uh, you know, no, that's not the case. Money is never the answer. Uh, I like seeing on, on uh, we don't have regular TV channels, so we watch YouTube and we do a lot of prophecy stuff, updates. But every now and then I get some random videos and there's videos of people that win, you know, the lottery and they go after these people and, you know, ask them about their life and what they did. And a lot of them are broke. A lot of them are working regular jobs. All They lost it all. And they ask them, you know, are you happy? And they're like, you know, I wish I never had the, uh, won that ticket. And it's like, wow, it's, it's, it, and not everybody, but this show, it's everybody. But, um, very interesting. But be content with what God has given you. And I think that's a hard issue that a lot of people struggle with because it's a power issue, right? It's a, it's a control issue. And then really, it's a sin issue. It's because of sin in our hearts and the pride in our hearts that wants us to control the situation, right, of what we have. And we're afraid if we're not in control of it, somehow it's going to fade away. Then the blame's going to be, that was her fault or his fault, you know? And um, that's what Adam and Eve did, right? Sorry. <laughs> I don't know, it was over there. Nope, nope, it was a snake. It was a, wait, right? And then it just kept, it'll keep going. But we gotta be content. Just be content with what the Lord's given you. Make Christ number one in your life. That way, there is no idolatry, right? There's no, no placing anything above Christ in your heart. If he's number one, everything else will fall into place because, well, he's number one, right? He's number one of your life. Um, let's come to the fourth soil. It's the good soil. Look, look at verse 20. Go back with me to Mark chapter 4. Look at verse 20. It says, but these are the ones sown on good ground, those who hear the word, accept it and bear fruit. Some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100-fold. Uh, so um, this is the fruitful heart, right? Um, and it's because they're in love with Jesus, right? And, and in Galatians chapter 5, uh, verse 22, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. And the rest of the eight you know, are the byproduct of love. They're the result of love. If you got love, you got it all. Right? And, and first John describes Jesus as he, God is love, it says. And so, as you abide in him, he'll produce fruit in your life supernaturally. It'll, it'll just happen. I guarantee you it. So Jesus gives us two more parables in verses 21 to 34. But before he does, he's going to deal with two things uh, before he covers that. Jesus deals, number one, about that which is hidden. That which is hidden. Notice in verse 21, it says, Also he said to them, Is a lamp brought to the, uh, be put under a basket or under a bed? Is it not to be set on a lampstand? For there is nothing hidden which will not be revealed, nor has anything been kept secret, but that it should come to light. So um, Jesus talks about a lamp that is hidden, and nobody hides it under a bed, obviously. It's a, it's a lamp, right? It's like a city on a hill. You let it shine. That's the whole purpose of it. If you have it under the bed, um, that would render it useless, right? So why have it if you're going to do that? So this is a parable... Uh, so that which is hidden 
speaking about the word concerning Jesus, uh, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, uh, Jesus says, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. So if you know the Lord, there's going to be evidence in your life, right? It's, you're, you're shining because you know the Lord. You're naturally, supernaturally, I should say, are going to be shining for the Lord. It's a sad thing for a lot of people that have been working for years and knowing the Lord for many years, and their coworkers come up to him and be like, I had no clue that you were a Christian. Wow, that should break your heart, right? Yikes, let your light so shine, everybody, right? So um, if you know the Lord, there's going to be evidence. And, and there's no such thing as a secret believer, right? I'm just, I'm, I'm going top secret here, right? I'm on a mission. And I don't want anybody to know I'm a Christian. That sounds like compromise to me, right? <laughs> I know what you're doing if that's the case. In verse 16 in Matthew 5, Jesus said, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So don't be afraid to tell people about Jesus because once you do, guess what's going to happen? They're going to start watching you, right? They're going to see your good works and because they're watching your life, they see the testimony of what Christ has done in your life that it's real, right? It's not fake. And they see that realness and what they desire that, They've been craving that. They've been praying for that, right? And thus they come to the Lord because they're watching your life, because you gave them the gospel, you gave them the truth. You are letting your light so shine. And because of that, they're going to glorify God, right, is what it's saying. So don't be afraid to tell people about Jesus, right? And it's a, it's a beautiful thing. Um, so secondly, Jesus deals with that which is heard that which is heard go back to mark chapter 4 look at verse 23 it says if anyone has ears to hear let him hear notice he says the word hear twice there Um, notice in verse 24 it says then he said to them take heed that you hear there's a third time with the same measure you use it will be measured to you and to you who here more will be given. So we not only need to take heed to what we hear, but also to what we do. Did you guys catch that in the middle of verse 24? It says, you know, it will be measured to you. Um, the, the, uh, with the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. So um, it's our actions, right? James chapter 1, verse 22, it says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. I would take heed to that. Don't just come to church, by the way, you know, um, week by week and just hear. And then go on with your life as, it, as if it's okay. God hasn't called you just to hear. He's called you to take action, right? That's what it says right there, right? Be doers of the word. And, and so John chapter 13, verse 17, Jesus says, If you know these things, blessed are you if you hear them. Is that right? What does it say? Blessed are you who, if you do them. Speaking of action, right? You allow the Lord in your life and he'll prompt you. The Holy Spirit will prompt you. It's like a spider sense. I gotta go do this, right? It's like you know what to do. And the Holy Spirit, he'll, he'll tell you, he'll direct you, he'll guide you, right? As you trust in him. And it's a beautiful thing. But notice verse 25. Uh, we, we, we all have a responsibility to what we hear. Um, as we hear and do, more will be given to you, right? So every day it's going to seem to be more astonishing every single day in your walk with the Lord because you're hearing, you're doing, and thus God gives you more. And then you hear, you do, and then you go on. So every day it's, a, it's an exciting adventure, right? Some people are living their lives like, man, I wish I had an adventurous life. Well, you know, continue reading the word, but allow yourself to be used. And you'll notice every single day is like, oh, you'll sleep well. <laughs> you'll sleep really well. It's tiring. But let's, let's get into the first parable here. Look at, look at verse 26 through 29. This parable, by the way, is only recorded by Mark uh, and, and nobody else. So verse 26, it says, and he said, the kingdom 
by the, you guys remember the kingdom, kingdom speaking of rule and reign, right? The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. So this seed is speaking of the word of God. Notice in verse 27, it says, and should sleep by night and rise by day and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. Uh, so this person scatters the word wherever he goes throughout his daily routine, right? Whatever he does, he rises up in the morning, gets in the word, goes to work, starts talking about the word of God, goes to the gas stations, just naturally it comes out, right? You go out to eat later on that day and, and you know, you're, you're asked the steward, hey, can I pray for you? And they're like, yeah. <laughs> and then you start telling them the word of God. And, and as you do, it's just a natural routine of what you're doing, right? And, and then look at verse 28. It says, for the earth yields crops by itself first the blade then by itself or I'm sorry then the head after that the full grain in the head so as the seed is planted other people uh, they hear it right they they believe it and then they they begin to grow and some till the ground some plant some water uh, but it's God who brings the increase and guys more more than uh, anything. We need to hear the word of God, right? And as we do hear the word of God, what's going to happen? There's going to be a transformation in our lives, right? Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And our faith will increase as we hear the word of God. That's how faith is increased, by the way. You guys want your faith increased? Well, you, you come to church and you, your faith is being increased every time you come. It's a blessing. Um, but we will grow. We're going to mature like this little crop right here. And it's only through the word of God that we grow as believers. And it's so important to read your Bible. It's so important to pray every single day, right? It's, it's so true. It sounds like an elementary rhyme, right? Read your Bibles and pray every day. But it's, it's true. If we're not reading our word and getting in the word with with the Lord and talking to the Lord, you begin to backslide, right? You begin to fade away and you don't even know it. You're like, yeah, I love the Lord, look at me. But but honestly, and you're praying and you're like, how come I don't feel like you're hearing my prayer, Lord? What's going on? And then as you re-examine your life, you're like, whoa, I haven't been in the word. And you begin to get in the word and you'll understand, you know, you come back, you know, like Revelation chapter two, the church of Ephesus. Um, so... <clears throat> Let's go to verse 29. It says, But when the grain ripens, immediately he puts it in the sickle, because the harvest has come. This word sickle, uh, well, it's a gathering hook, right? A lot of us are farmers here. Um, but it speaks of a day. And, and so in addition to the fact that there should be growth and maturity, there will be a day when there will come a harvest. You don't need that working you know, sickle anymore. You don't need to gather anything. The work's been done. The harvest is here. So some see this harvest as speaking of salvation because Jesus said on the cross, right, uh, uh, to Telestai, right, uh, it's finished. It's done, right? It's all done. And others say, well, it speaks of death. It doesn't speak of the cross. It's speaking of death because you lived your life as a believer. You did the work. And the moment you died, you received your glorified body. And thus the harvest, right? Thus you're with the Lord hanging out and, and, uh, and the work is done. And man, I don't know about you guys, but I'm ready for that. <laughs> Every day it's like, oh Lord, right? I, I can't wait to be with you. Man, I love the world. I love the people here, but I'm going to be seeing a lot of people, a lot of the believers, right? And it's going to be an amazing time. Imagine this is in our sinful nature, right? This is our sinful fallen world. But imagine the world that's perfect, you know, that God is, is, is there. And it's just going to be great. But um, we're all going to die right on time, by the way. It, it's on God's timing. And God's timing is perfect timing. Amen? So... Um, keep that in mind. But let's come to the next parable. Um, it's the parable of the mustard seed in verses 30 to 34. Um, look at verse 30. It says, Then he said, To what shall we liken the kingdom of God, or with what parable shall we picture it? Um, so people describe this parable as the church, by the way. Um, and so, so just consider that as we, we read right here. Look at verse 31. It says, It is like a mustard seed, which when it is sown on the ground is smaller than all the seeds on the earth. But when it is sown, it grows up and becomes great, greater than all the herbs and shoots out 
large branches so that the birds of the air may nest under its shade. Um, Some say, you know, this is speaking of the church because, you know, God used 11 men, uh, you know, Judas was gone, but uh, to a few to start the church. And then all of a sudden, now there's millions, right? It it broke out to this huge thing. And now, you know, it's just, uh, there's there's safety and security, in a sense, to those who are nearby. Speaking of the birds, others say, no, it's a bad growth because mustard seeds don't grow into big trees. They're bushes, you know, they're plants. And so this mustard seed, it grows not into a plant, but rather into a tree. And, and so this is the one thing uh, uh, that's become, it, it's, it's something that, shouldn't be basically right it's not intended to be what it would happen and so the birds nesting in its branches is basically satan uh, basically the demons that come and they nest in the church and i think that's pretty obvious today as well by the way that we see wolves in the church i i can't tell you how many times um i just constantly it's almost like a daily thing now where i see another teacher and I'm like all right look it's a great guy and then he's like we don't need Jesus to go to heaven it's like oh (laughs) another wolf come on you know and then they're like you don't really you could take the mark of the beast and you can still go to heaven everybody and it's like wait what where is this stuff coming from you know and they they get up but they're very well at teaching the word of God but they throw these things out it's like where are you trying to lead me you're trying to lead me into compromise and sin and the whole time you're you're prospering on off of, me, off of me why are you smelling me man you know like, they're trying to devour you get away from me you know it's just it's a scary world that we're in but we need to be aware of these these wolves in the church it's, it's very sad um, so the disciples are going to learn some lessons now in verses 35 to 41 and let's look what it says in verse 35 it says on the same day when evening had come he said to them let us um did I read? Yeah, I did. Okay. On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. So here's the command that Jesus gives to the disciples. Let's go to the other side, right? Keep that in mind. Look at verse 36. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and on the other, uh, and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose and the waves beat into the boat and so that it was already filling. But when, uh, but he was in the stern asleep on a pillow <laughs> and they awoke uh, him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? Right? So they're getting all crazy, but he's setting a, an example for these disciples, right? And Jesus, he's slipping, he's sleeping on a pillow. What does that tell you? He's our peace, right? And, and Pastor Dwight, by the way, he just got done speaking on Sunday about these waves on the Sea of Galilee, that they could be up to six feet high when it's a crazy storm. You know, don't even bother going to the other side if the storm's there. You stay there and you camp out on that side, right? And so, um, Jesus, he's sleeping through all of this. It's a crazy storm. They think that they're going to die. What an example Christ is, though, to us, right? For us, when we're going through any storm, he's sleeping through it all. We'll, we'll go through tribulation. We'll go through trials. But rest assured, we have the peace of God, right? We have God with us. And so First uh, Peter 2.21, it says, For to you... Uh, I'm sorry, for to this you were called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. He's our peace in the midst of the storm that we're going through. And let's come to the third thing here, the concern of the disciples. Notice in verse 38, it says, but he was in the stern, right? He's asleep on the pillow. And, and so they come in and they give him a dumb question. What do they say? They say, Lord, don't you care that we're perishing? Uh, duh, he's, he's God, of course he cares for you. And so it's, it's not that he didn't care that they were perishing, but that he knew that they were not perishing, right? So he was setting an example for them. He knew what was going to happen. And I could see a smile on his face as he was lying down. He knew exactly what was going on. And so 
they got their eyes off of him, though. And they, what happened, they got their eyes on the circumstances, just like Peter when he walked out on water, right? Um, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, it says, Looking on to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So looking on to Jesus, right? And when you're not looking to Jesus, uh, in these times, what happens? Fear takes a hold of us, and we begin to get anxious. We begin to get depressed. It takes a toll on your body physically, and you're falling apart. Why? Because you want control of this situation, right? And in 2 Corinthians 4.18, it says, Well, we do not look at the things which are seen, but the, at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So keeping that eternal perspective, right? Looking onto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, Jesus knew that they were not perishing, right? What does he call them to do? Just trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways, just acknowledge him. And what's going to happen? What's the result? What's the byproduct? He's going to direct your path. He's going to lead you to the place you ought to be. And so it's going to be a beautiful time. Um, in Ephesians uh, chapter 1, verse 11, it says, In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him, who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Um, in Romans eight twenty eight, right? Um, and we know that all, all things work together for good to those who love him, right? So uh, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Look at verse 39. It says, then he arose and he rebuked the wind and he said to the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And look at verse 40. But he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Right? So Jesus is asked two questions, really, and, and, and to challenge or uh, trust, if you will, um, our faith, right? To, he's challenging them here. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, it, for, it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I understand, you know, that in life sometimes you feel like you're drowning, right? You just feel like, oh, I can't get out of this. I'm stuck. I'm miserable. I'm this. I'm that. But do you catch the I, I, I's there? It's all about you. Of course you're going to be miserable and stuck. But the moment you worship the Lord and set your focus on him, it's like, you know, he's got it. It's a, it's a whole nother atmosphere. And uh, but the disciples, they had faith, right? Everybody has faith. The Bible says God has given us a measure of faith. And, but the thing is, they weren't placing their faith in Jesus, is what it's saying here, right? So, uh, they didn't follow after Jesus' example and being, you know, he's the, the, our peace in the midst of the storm that we're going through. And Jesus didn't rebuke them right away, but he rebuked the wind instead, if I, if I was God. <laughs> Rawr, right? I'm glad I'm not the Lord. But, but he rebuked the wind instead. But they lacked faith that Jesus said in verse 35. You guys remember that? Let's go to the other side. Let's go. He never said, you know, there's going to be the storm and everything, but he, you're with him. You're going to get to the other side. He who is faithful to begun a good work in you is faithful to complete it until the end, right? So, um, do you have faith to, to get the, to the other side? Is he going to say, well done, good and faithful servant? You know, consider these questions in your heart. Are you allowing him to do a work in your life? Look, look at verse 41 again. And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Right? So the disciples were astonished at who Jesus is. And church, trust in nobody else but Jesus Christ, right? Let him be your full trust, and only he can get you through the storm. Some of us are going through a storm, but it's Christ Jesus who is able to get you out of that, right? Um, let's just look at verse 5, and we'll see how far we can get really quick. We still got, what, 30 more minutes, right? So we're fine. Just joking. Maybe. Hey, 
Let, let's just do five really quick. Um, and this Jesus is healing two possessed men. And I say two possessed men because in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 8, verse 28, uh, it says that there was two possessed men, right? So keep that in mind. It says, Then they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gelderines. And when they had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. Um, so this is an unclean spirit, right? The word unclean, by the way, mentioned 11 times in the New Testament. In verse 12, it's referring to demons. And we know that there are evil demons and, and we live in a, a, a spiritual world, right? And understand that as believers, by the way, I wanted, to, I wanted to give you guys this, that it's Christ Jesus who's indwelling within us, right? The Holy Spirit, First uh, John chapter 4, verse 4, it says, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So we cannot be possessed by demons, but we could be oppressed, right? Um, and, and we can get hit by the fiery darts of the wicked one. If we just got the shield but we don't got the armor you block the 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 little nerf gun thing right (laughs) but but there's fire on it it's gonna hit the shield and then boom you got on fire there's your head going now and it's oh and you're going you're getting terrified because with the enemy he brings confusion and he brings uh, distraction from your walk with the lord but um, so we are, we're, we're armed with Jesus, right? And because of that, we can withstand the enemy. And notice the results of this unclean spirit. Look at verse 3. It says, Who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no one could bind him, not even with chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces. Neither could anyone tame him. And always night and day, He was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. So he had superhuman strength, right? Everybody wanted to stay away from this man because he was caught up in this demonic activity. And by the way, Halloween is coming up, and there's a lot of compromise going on in the church, and it's a sad thing. Um, You know, people of the world, they embrace sin and death and, and all those things. But you and I, we should have nothing to do with any of that, right? We're called out of the world to be set apart. The word, the word holy is set apart. We're set apart. Can the world, are you being a light to the world? Are you shining your light so that they see and be like, what, how come you're not like us? How come you're not doing what, well, because here's the gospel, right? And then they see your good works and they'll glorify the Father, right? And that's the whole idea here. But, um, it, it's funny because the world always packages sin in a very colorful packages, right? And they're very enticing. It's very wonderful and you're drawn to it. But we got to withstand the enemy by taking up the armor of God. We got to be wise in the day that we live in. Amen? And we got to be uh, just constantly seeking the Lord. But notice the results of this unclean spirit. Um, you know, he's, 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 he's uh, doing all this stuff. People are staying away from him. But there's praise and petition that Jesus receives. Notice in verse 6, it says, when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and he worshiped him. So these demons and these two possessed men, they run to Jesus, they bow down, and they begin to worship Jesus. Isn't that interesting? They fell down in submission to the Lord. So not because they loved him as Lord, but because they feared the judgment that was coming for them, right? The torment uh, that they would go through. And in, uh, so we, we don't worship out of this type of fear, right? Because of fear of torment and fire. We worship the Lord out of love. And, and so it's a big difference. But notice in verse 7, And he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. So this unclean spirit had a good theology, by the way, of who Jesus is, that Jesus is God. And he also, uh, he knew that he was going to be tormented uh, in Matthew chapter 8, verse 29. I don't know if I have it on there, but it says, don't torment us before the time, right? So they knew their eschatology as well. They understood in Revelation chapter 20 that they're going to get cast into the lake of fire. And so uh, it amazes me that people, you know, they believe Jesus as God, 
And, you know, they know his word, but unless they receive him as Lord and Savior, I mean, there's, there's, it's, if it's not personal, they don't know him, right? First John would say, you don't know him. You make God out to be a liar, right? You, you, you don't know him. So um, look at verse 8. It says, for he said to him, come out of the man on clean spirit, and, and so the power that Jesus displays right here, right? Jesus not only has power over the natural realm that we just saw with the, the waves, right, in the sea, but he has power over the supernatural realm as well, uh, the spiritual realm. And, and uh, you and I, by the way, just to throw that out there, have been empowered by the same words that God says, and he has that power, you and I have been empowered, right? Acts chapter 1, verse 8, what does it say? But you shall receive power. And this is the power, the deutimos power, the dynamite power, right? That the Holy Spirit, has, God has given to you. And we can stand boldly now in spiritual warfare. Just today I was talking to a, a woman, and there's a lot of spiritual warfare going on, a lot of things in her house, a lot of things happening. And it's real, guys. If you don't realize it's real, it's reality. God will show you. But Ephesians six twelve it says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So notice Jesus questions the unclean spirit. Look at verse 9. It says, uh, Then he asked him, What is your name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. Uh, a legion in the Roman armies about 6,000. I have no clue if this is, it applies to this guy, if that's 6,000 or what. That would be, what, 12,000 maybe for the both of the guys? So I'm not sure if that's 6,000 or just both of them or what, but uh, it says in verse 10, and, and here Jesus gives him permission. Also, he begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. Not a, uh, now a large herd of swine was feeding there near the, the mountains. And so all the demons begged him, saying, Send us to the swine that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them permission. Then the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine. There were about 2,000, and the herd ran violently right right down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. So it's, it's a, pigs are unclean animals, by the way, to the Jews, right? In Leviticus chapter, uh, one of those chapters, <laughs> it's an unclean animal. And, and, uh, and, and so you got unclean spirits going into unclean animals. Very interesting. Um, so notice in verse 14, so those who fed the swine fled and they told it in the city and in the country and they went out to the sea to see what it was that had happened. And then they came to Jesus and saw one, the one who had been demon possessed and had the legion sitting and clothed in his right mind. They were afraid, it says. But he's in his right mind. Guys, there's hope for all of us, right? Amen? Isn't that great? If this guy, if the Lord could come in and take this out, and he's sitting there in his right mind, and they come, they're looking at him, they're astonished at what is going on here, right? But they're actually more, they cared more about their the possessions of this world than they did about the people around them, which is very, very sad. Notice it says, in verse 16, and those who saw it told them how it had happened to them who had been demon-possessed and about the swine. And then they began to plead with him to depart from their region, right? So they, they, they wanted nothing to do with the Lord. And, and 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, it says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. So consider what we're living for, right? Hopefully, it's not the possessions of this world. And, you know, uh, in verse 15, this man, he was in his right mind. And I, I just love that, um, that they, they hated that. But look, here's the proclamation that was given to Jesus. Look at verse 18. It says, and when he got into the boat, he who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might 
be with him. However, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. And he departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis and all that Jesus had done for him and all marveled. He became an instant missionary for the Lord right there in his own hometown. Sometimes when God plants, he just wants you to, to, to grow where you're planted, right? And just just flourish where you are. And in his timing, because we serve a mysterious God, he, he could be just like, at any moment, get up and get out of here and go over here. And it's like, whoa, okay, let's get call the U-Haul truck, right? Let's get out of here. Um, so I wanted to go through the rest of this, but I don't think I will. But very interesting uh, correlation with Jairus and this woman. Um, in fact, I'll just give you a quick little uh, sneak peek. You guys could study it on your own. I think uh, Pastor Dwight, he'll pick up uh, on this later on. But, you know, he's very wealthy. She's very poor. He's, he's, he's healthy and she's not healthy. Um, he's in a synagogue, he's a synagogue ruler. She's not allowed to be in the synagogue. Um, and she was sick for 12 years. And, and then Jairus's daughter was 12 years old. And so there's a whole bunch of comparison, a whole bunch of stuff where it's like, whoa, right? The more, the more you get into it, it's a, it's an exciting thing. But they, they both had faith in the Lord and they trusted in the Lord. And that's a beautiful thing. So let's go ahead and um, stand and let's pray. Thank you guys for bearing with me here that five minutes extra. Should we just keep going, by the way? Should we all vote? Should we just finish it? No. Okay. Well, I'll stop there. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word. And uh, wow, so much here, Lord. But I thank you that your truth, your word is just so jam-packed, Lord. I, I pray, um, Lord, if there's anybody here who's at the end of their rope and they're just, they're just finished, they're done, I pray that they would begin uh, that new life in you, Father, that you would bring that restoration uh, to wherever they are, Lord, um, in their life, that you would restore them, that you would come alongside them, redeem them, Father, uh, by the cross, Lord, by your bloodshed, uh, that they might invite you into their life, Lord, and allow you to be Lord and Savior of their life. I pray, Lord, that you would continue to just lead us and guide us, Lord, into all truth. Continue to teach us your word. We thank you for tonight. Pray that you would protect everybody as they make their way uh, wherever they go, Lord, and that you would uh, just continue to minister to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.